The dental marketing landscape is constantly evolving. If you wonder how your practice can do a better job of attracting new patients online, join dental SEO expert Ross Dunn and various guests for a regular exploration of the dental marketing services proven to attract new patients. Take a break and join your host, Ross Dunn, for a lively discussion on Dental Web Marketing 101. Hello and welcome to the Dental Web Marketing 101 podcast, show number one by First.Dentist. My name is Ross Dunn and I'm the director of SEO and co-founder of First.Dentist. I'm joined today by our vice president of marketing, Andy Bernhardt. Hi. (laughs) Today marks the first show of our podcast and we're excited to begin sharing our hard-earned knowledge on dental marketing in an easily digestible format. That's key here. 101, right? So hopefully that's going to work perfectly for you. So let's get drilling. Today, we're going to talk about local SEO, but before we get to that, I want to just give you a bit of an introduction to First.Dentist. First Dentist is a digital marketing agency with the sole aim of building your practice. Now, Andy and myself both have a lot of experience in digital marketing, and uh, well, Andy, why don't you first give a little brief introduction of who you are and what you've done. Great. Well, I'm the uh, current uh, vice president of marketing for uh, First Dentist. I've been in the industry for about 12 or 13 years. I did my uh, thesis on uh, strategic digital marketing quite a while ago, and I've had my feet in that world ever since. At First.Dentist, I uh, do a lot of work on the uh, user experience on the websites and uh, integrating the different search technologies and marketing techniques into the services we offer. Excellent. Okay, well, my name is uh, Ross Dunn again, and I have been in the SEO realm since 1997. It's a lofty 23 years now. And over that time, I've uh, created another company called Stepforth Web Marketing and also another podcast that's been going on for 10 years called SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. So just a few years back, I think four or five years ago, I uh, started First.Dentist with my colleague, Michael Lamb. And well, here we are today. We've got a bit of a team going and lots of happy clients. And it seems time for us to start a podcast. Uh, we had a go at it before, but as most of them do, they fizzle a little. So we're going to make this, make sure this one is exceptional and there's lots of great content for you to listen to. So as I mentioned earlier, the topic of this episode is SEO 101 for local. And I want to ensure you realize this information can change a small amount. Well, sometimes even dramatically over time. So please review our blog, any other blogs as well, such as Search Engine Watch, Search Engine Land, Search Engine Roundtable. All these are different websites that have a lot of local information that are, is beneficial. Just in case some of this, the tips we give you today are, are a little outdated. They're immediately accurate today, but I'd be remiss to say that they're going to be accurate forever. You should and, also plug SEO 101. <laughs> yes, yes. And, a great up-to-date source of everything SEO. Thank you. Yes, the podcast is weekly with my colleague, John Carcutt, and my co-host, I mean, Yeah, we have lots of fun with that. So you can also tune into that where we have lots of great content. So what is local search and why is it important? So right now, when you go to a search engine result page, you're going to see a number of different things. So first of all, let's say you do a search for dentist nearby. Now, this is on your desktop. Let's talk about desktop first, not your mobile phone. When you do that, you're generally going to get an assortment of results. You're going to see a map-based result. So you'll see the map. Then you'll see a box with a number of listed dentists 
in your local area according to what Google believes is your location. After that, you'll see some what we call organic results. These are the classic organic. These are the ones we've seen since 1997 or 95 when, when uh, search really began. These will just be normal title, description, and link. You know, very clean, very simple. But you'll also see video sometimes embedded in there. You'll see images. It's called universal search, and, and that's a, a good name for it because it is very dynamic. It's always changing. Now, what we're talking today is about that map area. And also, when organic results are skewed by your locality. So even organic results, the ones below the map-based stuff, is going to, they're also going to be impacted by any local factors in your search. If you say, for example, dentist in Sacramento. Well, as soon as you've mentioned anything regional, those local results below will change. Everything will change. It'll be more local. From a mobile perspective, why don't you take that, Andy? What's, what, how would you say local works and how, how it would be different? Well, on mobile, it, definitely you're seeing an impact on the uh, location where you're searching from, obviously. I noticed that on desktop, but I noticed it on mobile as well, too. So if Google does understand where you, know, you are searching at home on your desktop, or if you're searching on your mobile somewhere else, you are going to see different types of results. And, you know, we test those pretty regularly and I test them pretty regularly. And, you know, I guess the other thing that we should talk about there too is um, voice search and uh, how that's impacting it as well too. Yeah, definitely. Well, before we jump into that, I just want to mention that when you're looking at a mobile result on your phone, it's always local. Mm -hmm. There's no question whatsoever. Any search you do, they're going to assume you're looking for something local. That is unless you're looking for something that's obviously very dynamic, like uh, how to speak a certain language. It's not likely going to be a local result unless there's a, a translator or a teacher nearby. If you're doing a search, you're going to see first paid ads. In most cases, if anyone's bidding for those ads in mobile. So when you do that search, you'll see those. Then, and usually after, after one full scroll of your screen, you're going to see your map-based listings. And only then after that is completed will you see organic results. It's important to note that because a lot of our clients, and of clients from my other business, they get a little bit uncertain about paid ads. And I totally understand. It's expensive. Google definitely makes some money off that. But when it comes to your mobile results, it's very important to consider that that full page you see first is paid. It's going to be pretty valuable to be there and show up. Yeah, so and it's quite that. a bit different than desktop too, right? Because you get a full view of the maps, of the ads, you know, even a bit of organic, depending on how big your screen is. But on mobile, yeah, the first screen is all ads. And a lot of those ads have a click to call as well too. So it makes it that easy, right? And I think that's something that's really important as well too for dental practices is that uh, if you are running those ads, make sure you've got a click to call on it. So. Yeah, great. And we'll get into what that means in it when we get into websites and what that means. And oh, I'll see also in some of the ads, hopefully be able to interview one of our, uh, our pay-per-click specialists for that. Okay, but you're mentioning voice. It might be a little bit advanced for listeners, but what do you, th what do you think are some high-level notes for that? Well, you know, it's one of those things that we always have to be aware of in terms of what's happening in that space. And it is one of those things that, uh, you know, people are using mobile phones, people 
are using their Google Home. Oftentimes people have multiple ones in there. And, you know, First Dentist is optimizing for those things. You know, we are using schema. You know, we are using good markup on websites in order to make sure that Google understands, you know, what those listings are and that they are dental practices, those types of things. So, you know, I think we're seeing all those types of things become more important. And it's one of those things that I think a lot of dentists should try as well too, you know, using the Google Assistant or Google using Siri and uh, seeing what happens, right? Oh, definitely. Testing is, well, it's fun too. But one thing that you should, uh, listeners should know, and, and, and again, I'm trying to, always being in this industry so long, both Andy and I, it's easy for us to get muddled in our own baffle gab. But I know one thing that I want to be clear about is schema markup. Sounds like Greek to you, I'm sure. It is generally additions to code in the background of your site that allows Google to understand a little bit better what pieces of content are. So if you have a phone number, you can add schema saying this is a phone number. I'm being very, very simplistic here, but that's the idea. And by adding schema, you add more machine signals for Google to identify content better. And that can help with your ability to show up in voice search. Uh, There's a lot more to it. And I'm sure in a later podcast, we'll jump into that a little more. Again, I think we'll just stick to it at that point or where we are. Okay. Now... Now that we've sort of discussed how search engine result pages or SERPs, what we call it, how they look and everything, I want to talk about a little more about mobile. Just a, sh- a brief note here that a lot of people realize that mobile is bigger. Not many people realize that it's over 60% of searches now, total searches on Google are done with a phone. Yeah, I bet that's up in the 70 percentile now. And that's clear. what we're seeing in the analytics when we look at um, a lot of our dental websites it's a minimum of 60%, you know, and oftentimes higher and it's just continues to climb over time. So, yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And one of the things here, um, this is from some research done by a company called Nectify. I can't say I know the name, but I have seen it a couple of times, I believe. Anyway, 88% of searches for local businesses on a mobile device, either call or visit the business within 24 hours. Now we're talking dental practices here little bit different. You're not exactly a walk-in, I'm going to buy a shirt kind of store. But it does show an intent. When people use mobile and they're doing a search, they're going to make a decision afterwards. They're going to do something with that information. And many times it is a click to call. They're just calling you right away from their mobile phone. And we see that a lot within Google My Business Insights. And we'll get in a little bit about that in a bit too. But as you can see, there's a lot to learn here. But we're going to do our best to make sure this call comes down in bits and bytes for you. That makes sense. So what are the key steps to building a a successful local online presence? Well, there are a number, and I'm not sure we're going to get to all of them in this show, but we're going to start with a few and then work through in the next show as well if we have any left. The first one is a physical location. Now, luckily, dentists have no problem with that. You're not exactly working out of your home without anyone showing up unless you're doing tele teledentistry, which I don't imagine is working out too well these days. <laughs> Not much of a business. <laughs> so yes, you need a physical location. Now, having a physical location is very simple as well in, in terms of concept, but you also have to consider where do you want to be found? Where is your market? We've had dentists in the, in the past, or orthodontists, you name it, who have started businesses or practices in areas where they thought would be getting a lot of business, but it turned out that a lot of the people who were contacting them were looking for insurance-based services and they didn't offer that. 
As a result, it was a bit of a, a fail and they've had to move. So consider where you're going to locate your business. If you're already there, you're already there. But if you're considering it, please do can think about your market. Do a little bit of research. Determine whether or not your actual market, your target market is going to be there. If you want to be found in a city, let's say you want to be found in New York. It's a bigger one, actually. Let's think of something a little smaller. Well, let's say... Victoria. Yeah, I guess we can just pick Victoria, our city here. I thought it'd be too small, but it makes sense. If you want to be found in Victoria, but your business is located well outside of it, let's say you're outside the city limits, maybe even half an hour away, it's going to be very difficult to be found Victoria-based dental, um, yeah. dental services because Google is trying to offer the most relevant result to their searchers. That's how they provide a great experience. So if you happen to be located far away, you're going to be low on the list just about no matter what. And it would have to be a compelling, out-of-this-world reason for them to show you before anyone else, even yeah. if they have lower r- r- rankings and reviews. So yeah. keep that in mind. Yeah, and that, I mean, it can work both ways, right? Because, you know, if you are trying to, if, you, if your practice is located in a specific neighborhood and people are searching based on that neighborhood, then yeah, you can get that business. But, you know, again, if you know you're half an hour outside of downtown and people are searching, you know, for the search term, you know, uh, dentist Victoria, orthodontist Victoria, something like that, they are going to get different results than, you know, you would get West Shore dentist or something like that. Right. So, so it can work both ways, but you know, that that's why, you know, I think the overall approach to search marketing, including paid marketing, and, you know, considering, you know, where you're going to be showing up and where you do actually want to pull people from, that's where paid marketing can play a really important part of the search results. So, Excellent. Well, the other aspect to physical locations is, you know, if you're going to have multiple locations, make sure they're spaced out. Unless, of course, you are certain that you're going to have enough of a target market in one area. All things that are probably built into your standard business plan concepts, but these are also important from an online perspective as well. Yeah. The next thing you need is a unique phone number, a unique phone number for each location. Google puts a lot of stock in a phone number. If it doesn't have a unique component to it, if you try to, let's say you try to register two businesses using the same phone number, you're going to have difficulties. I imagine nowadays they're getting a little more technical. There may be a right way around that, but I'm putting big asterisks on that. I don't know. I would say that you, it's, it's absolutely important to have a unique phone number for each location. Next of all, um, you need to ensure you've claimed your Google My Business listing. Now, many businesses don't even realize this, but they have a listing within Google. Google takes information from local internet yellow pages. It could be uh, the yellow pages. It could be Akamai. They're still around. I can't remember. I'm so old. I can't remember what's still around. Yeah, there's quite a few data aggregators, some some major ones. And that's actually a big part of our work is making sure that uh, everybody's name, address, phone number is all correct and all these major data aggregators so that uh, Google and Yelp and these other places that draw from these listings have the correct updated data. So... Yeah. yeah. And, and what we mean by this, of course, are these, these are sites or businesses that make money by selling name, address, and phone number information for each of these businesses or making them available to other companies such as Google. And by having this information, that they become a data aggregator. Now, these are some major ones. Akamai was one. I feel like they may have been bought. Anyways, it's an example of one. You certainly could find out who they are, type them online. 
internet, the yellow pages is another one. Of course, they have other motives, but they're also quite large. Info group, factual, those yeah. are some of the bigger guys. So, yeah. yeah. So, those are important places to, to show up. Okay. But when those systems are being used by Google, they show up in Google actually takes that information and creates a bit of a business listing for you. But that business listing, you can't alter it. You can't edit it. You can't do anything to it until you've claimed it and proved that you actually are that business owner. Once you've done that, a whole world of information and capabilities open to you. Not only do you have the ability to add photos to your own profile, changing hours, changing information about your services, your business name even. You can even suggest changes to your business name if they're relevant. But you get access to data that Google's accruing about the number of searches to your business, the number of calls, what time of day, all this information that you never had access to before, but frankly was still was being built on your behalf. So it's huge. The next part, of course, is your Google My Business listing is what shows up in those local search results. That's what we talked about with the maps. You can't actually show up there unless you have a Google My Business listing. And the ones that show at the top, say 99.99% of them have been claimed. They have to be claimed really to, to perform. So claim that Google My Business listing. Number four would be reviews. Make sure you are building reviews on a regular basis now. Andy's written a great uh, document on this on first.dentist. Just so you know, that's not like first.dentist.com. It's first.dentist. It's actually an extension like .com, .dentist. So first.dentist, you go there and you'll find it. What's the title of it, Annie? I think it's uh, how to respond to negative reviews. And what he's done is he's put together a great walkthrough about how to, to respond to negative reviews and do it in a way that will have as minimal negative effects as possible. If anything, you can turn it into a good thing which yeah. I just love. Yeah, it's called How to Handle Negative Customer Reviews for Dental Practices. And it's actually one of our articles that ranks quite well online simply Ooh. because it is actually a very, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very important topic for dentists. And we've actually done a pretty good job of uh, covering all of the different concerns that dentists have about doing reviews. And I think a lot of dentists are starting to understand that there are a lot of regulations around privacy and how they respond to those reviews. But there are quite a few kind of legal issues. And then there's, you know, the, the perspective that we like to take is that a negative review can actually be turned into a marketing opportunity. So it's really about how the practice responds to that negative review. So... Yeah. And an example of that would be someone's extremely upset with your service for whatever reason. And you know what it's like. If you run a practice for a while, you know, you get some people you just can't make happy or frankly, you've had a bad day. Something goes wrong. Well, those need to be managed. You do not want to leave a review online that's negative without responding to it. So many businesses just leave them alone. Just think, oh, I'll just ignore it. I'll just fill it up with positive reviews that aspect is good. Yes, you want to replace them with more positive. But if you leave a negative review alone, it looks like you don't care. When people are considering a practice, yeah. whether or not they want to use them, they want to see that you care, that you've actually listened and responded. So do that, but take it offline. So make sure that you speak to the issue saying, you know, I'm really sorry you had an unfortunate experience. It is very important to us that we make you happy, a satisfied patient please contact us at this number and we're going to, we're going to take care of you. 
Yeah. You know, very simple. It takes it offline. You do not want an argument happening online. You don't want any issues. And sometimes they're fake reviews. Those are the worst. How do you respond to that, right? Well, or they're for the wrong practice, which oh we see sometimes too, right? So, so. so often. It's scary. I don't understand it really, but yeah, yeah it happens. Yeah. So. I mean, and when it comes to a fake review, I've seen that handled in various ways. I can't recollect, Andy, what you recommended to do with those, but I've seen people respond saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that you've had this experience, but we don't actually have you as a patient on file. The problem yeah. with that can be that you are, I don't know if that's a violation of HIPAA. Yeah. And, and that's where it gets a little bit tricky, right? Is because you can't acknowledge that somebody was a patient at your practice, right? So, but, you know, we have seen a lot of uh, dental practices, medical practices, that is actually how they respond if somebody is not a patient. And, you know, there is a way that you can word it that, mm -hmm. you know, is, uh, the, well, sorry, we can't find your name as a patient, you know, at the practice. So, you know, please contact or reach out to us if if indeed you were a, a patient here and uh, we'll try to address this, but yeah. yeah, it's, it's every review is an opportunity to, you know, think about how you're going to respond. And, you know, the most important thing is responding by being human and by being caring, right? Because, you know, what's the first thing that most people do when they go to purchase a product or a service online? They go and they check the negative reviews, right? Because mm -hmm. they want to find out, well, well, what's the risk? What's the worst thing that can happen here? <laughs> and exactly. If the company responds or the dental practice responds in a way that allays those fears, then they're probably going to become a customer because you're not really going to find any dental practices that have, you know, a, a large set of reviews that are all five stars because it's just the nature of the business. You know, people are going to be unhappy or, you know, something's not going to work how they want it to work. It's medicine and it's just the way that it goes. So, but it's all about how you respond. And if you can allay the, your new potential patients fears that that's going to happen to them, then it's those negative reviews can actually be very helpful. So and, you know, coming back to SEO and your Google My Business listing, I'd say that's actually probably one of the most important behavioral things that happens with the search listings, right? Is when somebody's looking at Google Maps, they're always taking a look at those reviews and the practices that have the most reviews and have a reasonably good score are the practices that people are going to go and check out, right? And oftentimes, in studies and, you know, even just from my own personal behavior, when I search for a local business, the first thing I do is I go and I take a look at the maps and, you know, there usually be two businesses there that have, you know, lots of reviews, good reputation. I go and check them out. And if one of those two looks good, that's probably going to be the one that I go to, right? So, you know, it's a very important part of how people interact with the search results and how they choose a dental practice, right? So it's, yeah, it's, it's incredibly important, I'd say. so. Yeah. Well, and, and, and a part of that too is responding even to the positives. Don't just respond to the negatives. You know, Be thankful for people's reviews. It is really rare to do it. We're seeing it about a one in seven response rate. You, know, you send out enough of them, but one in seven will actually go and leave a review. That's rough as of late, but it does seem to be fairly accurate. Now, in those cases too, don't just be boilerplate. Thank you so much. Or, you know, try and be, thank you so much. We really look forward to seeing you again. Vary it a bit. Show that you, you really are a person that's responding. And if there's anything non-personal you can include, great. You know, well, we hope you have a great uh, baseball game next week or 
(laughs) you know well and it's good too to you can show off the personality of the practice a little bit too right and all of those little things kind of rub off when you know people are looking for a dentist because you know when let's face it when people are going to a dentist oftentimes they're a little bit worried they're a little bit concerned right so you know the friendlier you know the the nicer you can come across you know i think the better impression that you're going to make and you know you can be sure that people are checking and reading those reviews some of the statistics when i was writing one of the articles showed that after restaurants and hotels as a category um dentists and medical practices are the second most read reviews online and it makes sense right because people they have a fear of the dentist right so they really want those fears to be allayed and one of the ways they do that is through social proof so and you know, I think also it's one of, like with the search engines, there's a lot that a search engine optimization agency can do to help your practice rank. But, you know, one of the things that practices can really be in charge of, and it can be one of those sort of, you know, positive feedback loops is the more positive reviews that you get, you know, the more new patients you're going to have in your practice, you know, the more they're going to be leaving reviews. And we know that Google likes practices that have more positive reviews, right? And, you know, if people are also searching for, you know, best dentist, which is one of the things people search for, you know, I definitely have seen a bias in the search results to those practices that have great reputations. So I don't know what you think, Ross, about the effect of reviews on businesses, but, you know, I've I've definitely uh, seen a, a positive bias towards those practices that have a lot of reviews, right? Yeah. If I were to answer it in a simple yes or no, I would certainly say yes. Reviews have a huge impact. If we got more technical about it, I'd say that it's it's up in the air a little bit these days. There's yeah. no certainty just how many, you know, some of them have more reviews than others, but they don't rank as well. It's not an end-all and be-all factor, but yeah. man alive, do a good job of building reviews. It's important. And there are mm-hmm. some great platforms out there that it will help you do that. We have our own, provenlocal.com. But there's also other ones that are out there. But you got to keep in mind that there are some that will build reviews for you, but they won't. They aren't actually connected in any way to third parties. So you can leave a review within the system, fantastic, or a, a patient can, but there's no way to have them post that to Google, to RateMDs, to Foursquare, to Facebook, to whatever. It's a little rare but I am seeing it uh, now and again. So please keep in mind that it's not a given that the review system you're using will allow that. In fact, some of them just don't even bother because they know it's a bit of a headache to do that, that porting, allowing that system to happen. Ours does. And again, many do, but you got to make sure it's done properly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, we've covered a lot already today. We've covered four of the eight steps here. We're going to talk about, about creating a successful local online presence But I think uh, we're going to put a pin in it today. And next time, we're going to talk about websites, citations, links, and regular activity on your Google My Business listing. So on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, co-founder of First.Dentist, and Andy Bernhardt, VP of Marketing, thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to email info at first.dentist. And remember to tune into our next episode where we'll be sharing more tips and news on dental web marketing. Thanks for listening. And I hope you have a great week. 
You have just listened to another episode of Dental Web Marketing 101 with SEO expert Ross Dunn. We hope you enjoyed the show and gained some insight on how to attract new patients online. To subscribe and access the show notes, please visit dwm101.com. Join us again next week, and until then, keep on smiling.